Could you use more self-love in your life? Does self-compassion sound unfamiliar to you? Do you want to learn where you can access your intuition? Do you wonder what spirituality actually means? In today's episode on Root Awakening, a health podcast, we are talking with Meg Dahl. Meg is a spiritual mentor, a self-love coach, and just a wonderful human being in general. Meg teaches her clients in small groups about healing through compassion, how to cultivate self-love, and how to separate yourself from the self-critical thoughts that come up in your brain. And in this episode, Meg gives us tips on how to cultivate more self-love. She tells us why we are not our thoughts. I'll say that again, why we are not our thoughts. You will find out about that in this episode. We are also going to talk about how the obsession with health food in the wellness industry is often misguided. We go over what orthorexia is and what orthorexia can do to harm your health. We talk about why focusing on food alone isn't the answer to health. And Meg tells us where her intuitive messages come from. And Towards the end of this episode, Meg is going to give us recommendations on how to deepen your spiritual self-love practice, so make sure you stick around to the end of this episode. So this is a good one, folks. There is so much information packed into this interview. Let's get started. This is Root Awakening Health Podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am the CEO of Root Awakening. I am a holistic health coach and I help you release unhealthy habits and cultivate wellness rituals that bring you balance and that bring you fulfillment. You can follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Root is spelled R-O-O-T. Here is where you can connect and interact with me, and I would love to interact with you as well. Feel free to send me a DM there, say hi, ask any questions that you may have. Okay, here is the deal, folks. We have a giveaway happening right now for you to take advantage of. On March 1st, I am going to have a drawing that will award one person with a free 45-minute private health coaching session with me. We will sit down together one-to-one, face-to-face on Zoom and work through your health struggles that you specifically are dealing with, no one else you specifically are dealing with. So we will talk about what you want to optimize individually for yourself. We will talk about what you want to boost within your individual health and based on the information that you tell me and where you're at in your health journey, I will give you guidance and personalized coaching about how to start feeling more joyful, how to start feeling more energized, more balanced, and just more fulfilled every day. So whether you want guidance on food or boundaries or strategies to gain more energy or how to significantly improve your sleep quality or how to find your power as a human being or how to view yourself through a positive lens. These are all topics that I specialize in that I would love to help you with and coach you on. I would be so excited to work with you on these topics. So one lucky person will have the opportunity to experience a free 45-minute coaching session with me. This consultation is valued at $700, so it's a super special opportunity here. And to be entered into the drawing, you can subscribe to this podcast or leave a rating and review or share this podcast with your community. So just take a screenshot of your subscription or your review or the post that you share, DM me the screenshot on Instagram and your name will be entered into the drawing. So if you do one of these three things, your name gets entered once. If you do all of these three things, if you subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast, your name will be entered into the drawing three times. So you'll have three times the chance of winning a 45 minute private health coaching session with me. So don't miss out on this opportunity, folks. It's going to be good. 
And if you'd like to receive longer-term guidance and join a community of spectacular people who honor their health, who honor and celebrate their bodies, and who know that supporting others creates a strong community, apply to join the Root Awakening Mastermind. The Mastermind is a supportive, inclusive, encouraging community alongside an online platform, which is basically a sparkly, glittery bank packed full of online wellness content. So by joining the Root Awakening Mastermind, you will get access to an online course that will teach you how to let go of unhealthy habits, how to honor your boundaries, how to reconnect with yourself, and cultivate wellness rituals that take you to a high place of health. Okay, you will also get access to a library of recipes, cooking techniques, meditation methods, journaling methods, skincare resources that will just support you as you let go of the habits that don't serve you and cultivate habits that bring your health back up. So all of these strategies are strategies that I personally used myself to change my life and turn around my health and feel just amazing when I wake up in the morning. Okay, and a lot of my clients have had these same experiences. All of my clients have had amazing results. So you get access to this content through this yearly subscription, okay? You'll also get access to mindfulness mantras, which are like guided meditations recorded by me. These are a favorite of my clients, and I have no problem telling you that they are awesome because they are. And you will also get access to a beautiful community of supportive people in the mastermind. And if you love the information that I talk about on these podcasts, likely these folks will be on your wavelength. Okay, so finally, last but not least, you will get access to a weekly gathering where our community comes together and I set up a weekly intention for the group. So this will help you to hold you accountable and it will provide you with guidance throughout your health journey. And when you make the investment to join the Root Awakening Mastermind, you get access to all of these resources for an entire year. It is a yearly subscription that you only have to pay once, and the price is so accessible, okay? It works out to be less than $1.50 per day, okay? It's super accessible, and we are having a founding member's price right now, so it's going to be a very accessible price for you to get access to all of these deliverables, all of this guidance for an entire year. It works out to be less than $1.50 per day. So it's an awesome price. Take advantage of this founding member's price that we have going right now. Let me know. DM me on Instagram. Head to rootawakening.as.me slash focus call to schedule a free call with me and see if you are a good fit for the mastermind. Okay, let's get into this spectacular interview with Meg Dahl. Okay, Meg Dahl, I'm so excited to have you here. Meg and I are very close friends. Meg is actually the person who gave me this big call to action to start this podcast. So I am so grateful for her. Meg is a spiritual mentor and self-love coach. And if you were thinking that talking to Meg is like getting one big giant energetic hug, you are right. She is a radiant angel and she has all this amazing information about self-love. So it's an honor to interview you, Meg, for our first Root Awakening interview episode. So welcome to Root Awakening, a health podcast. Wow, that was such an intro. I've been on so many podcasts before and I've never had an intro like that. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, I meant every word. You're the best. Thank you. So you have had an amazing health journey and an amazing career, and you continue to move through these beautiful transformations with your health, with your spiritual life, and you have a lot of projects and a lot of passions that you're working on, which I'm super ecstatic to get into. And to start off with, can you just tell us about how you got to where you are today? Yeah. And as you know, it's definitely like a long journey and there's kind of so many places we could start as a starting point to where, like what led me to where I am today. But essentially, I guess I always pretty much start off when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with my first eating disorder. And I think 
that diagnosis was kind of the result of a couple of different things. So eating disorders, they tend to be the result of like when someone is trying to look for control in their life, right? So eating disorders are a trauma. And oftentimes they are kind of like a result of another type of trauma, right? And for me, when I was diagnosed with my first eating disorder when I was 10 years old, I had just lost my grandfather who I was extremely, or pardon me, not my grandfather. Well, it was my step-grandfather. So I had lost him and that was like really like the first close death that I had in my life when I was young. Like that was kind of like the first death that I had experienced. And it was a really interesting time in my life because I was also experiencing a lot of digestive issues at the same time. So it's kind of like what came first, right? So I was experiencing those digestive issues, having a lot of stomach aches. I remember like I grew up being a dancer. So I was in dance and I remember this one day where I just was at a dance recital, unable to eat like lunch and dinner. And I really do believe that when we are undernourished or malnourished, we really don't receive the proper nutrition to also think properly and make, you know, healthy decisions. So that's why I say like, you don't really know kind of what came first, right? Like this was my eating disorder, the result of losing someone close in my life, or was it a result of me having these stomach issues, which led to me being underfueled, which led to my brain not receiving proper nourishment and then I'm making these unhealthy decisions. <laughs> so anyways, I was 10 years old. So really young to be dealing with an actual eating disorder. I had anorexia and I started working with psychologists and social workers and things like that. And I learned at a really young age some really incredible things about the mind and our thoughts and our emotions. And for so much of my life, I thought that the type of information that I gained through eating disorder recovery as a 10 year old, I thought that was kind of information for people with eating disorders right? So I learned how to navigate my emotions. I learned how to navigate my thoughts and also just change the relationship that I had with my mind, like really big stuff that some people don't learn until their late thirties, forties, fifties, right? Like I know people in their sixties and seventies that don't really know or have never learned this information about their thoughts and their emotions and behaviors. So at 10 years old, I'm learning this. And like I said, I learned all of this through eating disorder recovery. So kind of kept this to myself for a lot of years. And so now I'm 29. Like I said, I was first diagnosed with an eating disorder when I was 10. I fully recovered. And I relapsed um, when I lost my grandfather, who I was really close to when I was 15. And eating disorders are a tricky thing. So when I experienced those two eating disorders at 10 and 15, I was experiencing anorexia. And like I said, eating disorders are really tricky. They can kind of be really sneaky and morph into something different. Right. And I know you experienced like something really similar to Emily. So for me, kind of back in 2010, 2011, 2012, 
that eating disorder that was anorexia morphed into orthorexia. And like 10 years ago, people didn't really know what orthorexia was, right? And I mean, even now in 2021, I really think orthorexia is still hard to diagnose because there is such a fine line between, okay, is this person dealing with an eating disorder or are they leading like this healthy lifestyle type thing, right? Are they truly taking care of themselves or is this disorder taking over their life? So it's a really tricky eating disorder to diagnose and even realize for yourself that you're dealing with. And I think a lot of people actually don't realize that they're dealing with orthorexia until maybe they're even out of it or years into it. Right. So that was me. And I was actually, so I graduated high school. And at that time, I was recovered from anorexia and really inspired by my dietitian to go on to university, study dietetics and become a dietitian. I really wanted to help women in the way that she helped me when I was in high school dealing with my eating disorder. So I went to university, started studying dietetics. And by like my fourth year, I was just like, wow, this is actually not what I want to be doing, right? It was just something so different than I thought it was initially, but I was still really interested in food. I really wanted to continue to see food in a different way. And I really do believe that we are able to do that, that we're able to change the way that we interact with food, that we're able to change the way that we see food and our relationship with food, right? And my relationship with food for so many years was so unhealthy and disordered. And through studying dietetics, like I had made some improvements, but there was still a lot of focus on calories and macronutrients and just kind of not really a root cause approach or seeing food in a way to actually support the body type thing, right? So it was really cool how it worked out, but I was basically living in the city that had a holistic nutrition program and I was looking for something exactly like this. And then I just so happened to be living in a city that had that exact program and I could like go into a physical building and study. I didn't want to do something online. I definitely am more like committed if, and, you know, like I follow through with something, if I can actually like be there in that physical space. So that was really exciting. And I started studying holistic nutrition and became a registered holistic nutritionist. And that's really where I started my practice. And if it wasn't for all of that, I wouldn't be where I am today but my journey kept going, right? I had recovered from anorexia, orthorexia. I like my mind had recovered, but my body didn't fully recover yet. I was still dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when a woman does not have her period. So I actually had not had my period since high school. I was like 15 years old when it disappeared because of my eating disorder. And like I said, I really truly do believe that someone, because this is my experience, you can be recovered from an eating disorder, but still have your body kind of not fully catch up yet. And I was in that position and I just knew it was time to really address that area of my health. And so in 2018, I was like, okay, this is the year I got my period back. And it actually took me an entire year to get my body to a point where it really felt safe enough to have a menstrual cycle. And that year, it was like the last half of 2018 and 
the first half of 2019, that was like the most transformative time of my life, really. And that's really where I'm at today. I really love talking about periods and the menstrual cycle. But more than that, I go deeper. So in order for a woman to get her period back, there's a lot of eating more and exercising less because essentially, if a woman does not have her period, or if she's experiencing hypothalamic amenorrhea, it really is just like kind of this issue with a energy deficit most of the time. Like if you're actually dealing with HA, which is just a shorter word for hypothalamic amenorrhea. So I'm just going to use HA moving forward. But if a woman is actually dealing with HA, most often the cause is an energy deficit. So we need to correct that energy deficit. But those are kind of like only two components, right? I see those as like the starting two things, but there's a lot of deep emotional and mental healing that needs to take place for these women. We have a lot of outdated beliefs that we're still holding on to. So when we are correcting that energy deficit, I noticed this with my clients and like even in my own life, there was still stuff that I had to work through in regards to food, my body image and everything related. And so that's what I help women with now through my journey of getting my period back. I became a certified spiritual coach and that's really where I started to fully embrace the fact that I am very intuitive and I'm more this what I'm doing now has never felt better. So I practiced as a nutritionist for so many years and I always enjoyed it. But I was always kind of helping my clients more with their mental and emotional health than the food, because if it's not about the food, right? Like when, yeah, when someone comes to you and they want help in that area of their life, it usually is never actually about the food, but it's more about like the mental and emotional components or these deeply rooted beliefs. And I mean, that's why I always kind of start my story when I was 10 years old, because that's when a lot of these beliefs formed. And I just kind of want to be able to show women that no matter how long you've been struggling with food or your body or your mental health, that you actually can really experience freedom from all of that. Yes. Woo! What an amazing transformative story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think this is so, it's such an important sector of the wellness industry or just sector of wellness in general that doesn't get talked about enough. We're all, we are just trained to obsess over food and obsessed over the products that we're using when in reality it goes so much deeper than that, like you said, right? And I have so many questions too about your transformation into being a certified spiritual coach. Before we get there, Let's just clarify for anyone who doesn't know that much about orthorexia or have really heard that word. Can you give us an idea, more of a specific idea about what orthorexia is? Yeah, I would love to. So, I mean, this is not like a textbook definition whatsoever, but basically orthorexia is having this obsession with being very healthy or eating clean or eating a certain way. And, you know, some people do prioritize that in their life, but when situations happen where they don't eat that way, or they're using foods or products that kind of aren't something they typically prioritize, they're able to cope with that, right? But then on the flip side, someone with orthorexia 
is really like it is a mental illness and that's not talked about enough that eating disorders are mental illnesses you know because I think now today in 2021 we hear a lot more about eating disorders but it's really important to note that any unhealthy relationship or just like a funky relationship with food isn't necessarily an eating disorder you can have disordered eating and then you can have an eating disorder two different things right so an eating disorder is what i experienced and that's also what orthorexia falls into so someone who has a very like fixated approach on food and the way they should be eating and even products they're using sometimes like that also fits into that orthorexia definition for sure and like i said with the other example if something comes up in our life where you know we're presented with foods that kind of don't fit that those foods that we'd like to eat we aren't able to cope with that change right or those other options i remember so many times where like it it really interferes with your life right and that's really like kind of the definition where or how you can determine if you are struggling with something that may be orthorexia is it actually interfering with your life and yeah I have so many memories um, that like I went out to restaurants and you know something didn't come the exact way that I ordered it and I had like a complete meltdown and I'm like in my early 20s like complete meltdown unable to eat anything after that and you're just like really kind of paranoid about everything that enters your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So much information packed in that explanation, which is really wonderful, really helpful. I learned, I learned some stuff from listening to that explanation. I love to hear your viewpoint. And so, so true that so many of us are experiencing these things like orthorexia and it's not talked about enough. So we're having all of these discomforts, but we, we don't even know how to identify it or we don't know where to look for support because it's not really talked about enough. And I also mm -hmm. remember, so for anyone that doesn't know, I experienced an eating disorder as well. And I would shoot for one meal a day. And if something happened where I felt pressured to eat early in the morning, I was obviously starving myself. So I would eat and then that would cause a meltdown. So anytime you don't have complete control, you just completely break down, which is not what we want. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would really love, there's so many aspects of this that I would like to dive into Meg, but I would really love to hear about the self-talk that you had during that time, because that's something that I like to talk about a lot. The fact that words can really be used as magic. And I believe that they are used as magic in, in our society and that can be damaging to us, but we can also use words to create a beautiful reality for ourselves. So I know that my listeners here experience a lot of negative self-talk just like I did or have worked through that in their past. And I'm curious, what were some emotional and mental imbalances that you experienced that really came out within how you were talking to yourself and how you were thinking about yourself during that time? Yeah. Yeah. When I was struggling. Yeah. So something that I actually talk about a lot and help my clients with inside my coaching practice is realizing that we are actually not our thoughts. So I think that's very freeing to realize because when you said, what was your self-talk like back when you were struggling? And to be honest, I probably didn't have a lot of self-talk. I was experiencing a lot of thoughts, but I wasn't actually intentionally thinking them about myself which is incredibly freeing. And that's how I help a lot of women transform their life is by realizing that a lot of the negative stuff that we experience in our minds are, is not actually something that we intentionally think about ourselves. Okay. So we experience thoughts, but they are not 
actually us thinking those thoughts. Okay. And I mentioned this when I was kind of giving my long story of how I got to where I am today, but this is the stuff that I learned when I was 10 years old. And this is the stuff that I had been kind of keeping in my own like toolbox because I thought that this was kind of reserved for people dealing with eating disorders. And I don't really need to talk about this stuff, right? Because not everyone has an eating disorder. So I'm just going to keep this to myself. The more and more I worked with women inside my practice, I realized that, hey, people do not realize this about their their thoughts. The moment that we have a negative thought, we're taking that on and believing it to be our truth. And so I started to slowly introduce my clients to this concept. And we experienced a lot of transformation when we started to focus on this and not the food. So that's what I would kind of have to say to respond to your question about what my self-talk was like back then. It was very negative. It was, well, what my self-talk was like back then. Like I said, I wasn't really intentionally thinking a lot of things about myself. I let that inner voice of mine that I call it, that compassionate, loving inner voice that we all have, I wasn't using her. Right. I wasn't actually speaking to myself in any way. I had a lot of awful thoughts and a lot of awful, untrue beliefs about myself. And that was the narrative playing in my mind. And I was just believing it. I wasn't even giving myself a chance to like speak back to it or use my self-talk. Right. So that's what my experiences were back then in regards to self-talk yeah so you you really separate the the experience of self-talk from what you actually believed about yourself right so you're saying that you you just believed there was just like a baseline belief that you were all of these negative things even though it wasn't true but that there was no self-talk it just felt more like a belief is that right Yeah. So tell me a negative belief that you've held about yourself before. That I'm, I used to say to myself all the time that I wouldn't, I don't sound intelligent when I talk to people or that I'm really clumsy. Okay. So were those thoughts entering your mind or did you intentionally think those things? I would, yeah, they, they, let's see. I would bring them up in conversation when I talk to people. So I mm-hmm. would say the way I would handle this, I would say I am really bad at talking to people like, or like I make no sense when I start to talk to people. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I would say, oh yeah, I'm like always tossing stuff around or like, I don't have a memory. It would, it would, it's more like how I would communicate to people. Yes. Yeah. So the way I see that and the way that I approach that is like, okay, so we have these thoughts, right. That we give, we, we really have, we're not intentional about thinking. Just, so just if I know you meditate, right. We meditate, we lie there and we experience thoughts you're not actually intentionally thinking, I'm going to think about this, right? Those thoughts enter your mind. So the way that I see it and the way that I work with that is like you had these beliefs, these thoughts come up about the way you speak to people and, you know, the way you talk certain ways, like that sort of thing. You had those thoughts and then through conversation, you would actually speak them out and like affirm that what you thought is true, right? So you're believing those thoughts that enter your mind. And I think when we see the thoughts as being just a thought, that there's a lot of freedom in that, right? It's really important that we, first of all, notice that these negative statements or these negative beliefs or these negative thoughts are even entering our brain in the first place. That's an amazing step because as soon as we notice that 
we are saying these negative things or believing these negative things about ourselves, that's when we can start to change because we're aware of all of this. So Mm -hmm. if we are thinking some, like believing something negative about ourselves or saying something negative about ourselves, and then we know we're not supposed to quote unquote, supposed to say anything negative or think anything negative, that again starts the guilt or the shame or the, well, yeah, so I am, I'm not good enough because I'm thinking all of these negative things about ourselves. So it sounds, I love how you express that it's important to detach from these thoughts and to know that these thoughts aren't us because that's really important in the healing process. We can't, we can't heal if we never stop blaming ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's really that creating that separation. I always say that's where the freedom lies, because if we're tangled up in our thoughts and believing that this is what we actually think about ourselves, right? Like, where's like, that's how we just remain where we are. But when we're able to detach or detangle ourselves from those thoughts, I always say like the space between you and your thoughts, like that's where the freedom lies because you're giving yourself that freedom to see the thought for what it is and then choose differently. Like you actually don't have to believe these thoughts. You actually don't, you're not the one thinking this stuff about yourself, right? They're just thoughts. And knowing that is what really allows us to have that freedom. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, I would say that yeah, our, our, our listeners here are experiencing all different types of navigation through what their thoughts are and how they're behaving. And they're, they're diving, they're, they're dipping their toes into and diving into holistic health and learning so much about, okay, this is serving me, this isn't serving me and starting to distinguish between the two. And it's such a world and you can really start to become critical just about the process of trying to do better for yourself or trying to heal yourself or trying to feel better every day. So these these words are just so comforting. And I would love to dive into now, you say that this is our, these negative uh, thoughts or beliefs are separate from ourselves and ourselves house this place of compassion for ourselves Mm -hmm. and love for ourselves and uh, joy, right? There is a source of joy in us all. And this is something I really love to talk about as well. And speaking about, about this place inside of us, how did you start connecting with this side of yourself that, that was really compassionate for you? Mm -hmm. I love that question. Yeah, I think it naturally comes up when you want to heal and when you have that self-awareness that, hey, these thoughts that I'm experiencing aren't actually my own. And like I said, experiencing that freedom between yourself and the thought, that is where you can start embracing that compassionate being inside of you. And I naturally, like I said, I started experiencing that because when we want to start healing and we make the decision that we no longer want to believe those stories or those outdated beliefs or those negative thought patterns anymore, we can naturally start to speak to ourselves maybe a little bit more positively or like I like to suggest with compassion. I prefer coaching my clients to use compassionate self-talk versus positive self-talk. Compassionate self-talk I like to think of as just kind of like a loving parent or a loving best friend. There's definitely like a difference between the two. And I like to go with that second one that I mentioned, the compassionate self-talk. And so there's that, but just knowing that there's literally like an endless pool of compassion inside each of us, that's also really comforting. It's not like you have to go anywhere to find how to be compassionate. You don't have to go anywhere to kind of like top up on your self-compassion. We literally all have 
compassion within ourselves. And I think that's really incredible. Like you truly cannot actually run out of it, which is amazing and really comforting too, right? Yeah, totally. It's a safe, it's a safe feeling. It's a really supportive feeling. And I'm wondering if you, do you connect your intuition with this never ending stream of compassion? Do you see your intuition coming from a similar place as the place where compassion comes from inside of you? I feel like for me, compassion is like in my heart space. Like that's where really where I feel my compassion coming from. And that's what I would encourage other people to do as well if you're wanting to connect with your self-compassion and you don't really know where he or she lies, just connect with your heart space and see what you can kind of find within there. And again, I think that's another reason this is just coming up for me now, but I really do think that the, you know, how I mentioned positive self-talk before and compassionate self-talk, I feel like compassionate self-talk, you don't really even need to say something or anything sometimes, right? Being compassionate with yourself can just be being with yourself and allowing yourself to feel whatever is coming up. Whereas if we're so focused on positive self-talk, that doesn't really create the space to just like not say anything and just sit there and be with ourselves, right? So that's why self-compassion and healing through compassion is a huge part of my practice and how I help other women. But as far as intuition, I feel my intuition is more like a drop down. Mm. And so you can actually feel where certain things are coming up from, right? Like how, so you're a sacral generator if we're talking about human design right so you actually have that defined sacral energy so you can feel like a gut feeling right I don't really get that I don't really get gut feelings but similar to how you can feel that gut energy when you just like know you know yes if something's a yes you feel that in your gut and I think we can experience different things like in different parts of our bodies or in different ways, right? So when we are experiencing that negative chatter in our mind, it's usually, and I notice like I do this too, I always kind of take my right hand and I kind of put it up by like the right side of my head. And that's kind of where I always feel like this negative like chitter chatter, right? And as I've been coaching women online, like seeing them on Zoom, and when they are talking about their negative mental chatter, they do the similar thing. So you can really feel that chatter, right? You can feel that energy happening in your mind. And, but when you experience like intuition, I kind of say it's like this drop down effect, like it's kind of kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's like from something else and drops down into your body. That's what I feel like intuition feels like versus like being compassionate. Yeah, so cool. Oh my gosh, we get into so many good topics together. It's so lovely. (laughs) Honestly, Meg, I would like to have you back on the podcast again, and maybe even again to talk about one human design, which for anyone who doesn't know is a spiritual personality test. Is that right, Meg? Yeah, so it's kind of like I had, I mean, there are some, I would be so honored to come in and chat about human design because I know you and I like geek geek out about it all the time. But I mean, there's so, I learn from so many other human design coaches as well, but basically it kind of takes astrology. It's just like a different type of been on astrology um, in a way. So it's still taking your birth information, 
but looking at it in like a different chart essentially right so with astrology they often look at a birth chart which is like a circle with these different houses that like the different signs are in whereas human design there's literally this like really kind of confusing looking chart of like a body and where these nine different energy centers are yeah so that's kind of the difference yeah I mean, there's oh. a lot of differences, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great explanation because it is so complicated, really. And it's amazing. If anyone likes to figure out what type you are of something, if you're into astrology, check human design out. And I would love to have Meg come back on the show, Meg. If you, you, you mentioned that you'd be down, it would be so much fun to have a whole episode on human design to introduce to people what it is. And I really, I really got deeper into human design to understand what it was through podcasts. I think it's a great way of explaining AC mm -hmm. Brown. You suggested AC Brown's podcast. I checked that out. So anyone who is interested, check out AC Brown's podcast as well. So on the note of human design and how that relates to our intuition, I love that you you made the distinction between how where I am in human design and the fact that I'm a generator type and you are a manifester. So you feel intuition differently. And I, mm. I was going to say anyway, I totally feel my intuition in my stomach area. And it's interesting. Yeah. I said it today on a voice note to someone. I said, it's interesting to see where your intuition is coming from and try to access it there. So for me, for example, it comes somewhere in between my belly button and my, my solar plexus, uh, my belly button and my, my sternum area. That's really where I'm feeling something, whether it's, this is not a good situation and I need to figure out where my imbalance is about this or this is good. And I'm excited about this, right? So yeah, a really fun way to maybe even connect a little bit further with your intuition. And I know a lot of our listeners are interested in reconnecting with their bodies, reconnecting with their intuition, because it's easy to feel lost from that these days. And before we close out the topic of positive language that we're using around ourselves and compassionate language, I wanted to close that out because it's such an important topic. And I talk a lot about empowering language, which I would say it's probably different than compassionate talk, like what you are describing, Meg. It's a lot more hard hitting, like let kind of like it, I, it almost feels like the, it's like talking in the way that you would dance, like in the middle of the room naked if nobody else is there but you're you're embodying that by talking certain words so mm -hmm. it's it's like i'm incredible and i'm these really big show-offy words for a lot of people that doesn't feel right for them and that feels okay. like they're faking it right and it, i think it's so important to note that it really depends on how you learn what your experiences have been what are your emotional traumas what feels good to you what feels like absurd to you and you know we talked about this when i was on your podcast podcast as well. There, like for me, there have been times for compassionate self-talk and there have been times for empowering self-talk or what, whatever we want to call it, like self-talk or the words we use or how we describe ourselves to people. I really found that in my most vulnerable moments, the compassionate words that I was using about myself really helped to nourish me, which I know that's a word both of us really like. And empowering self-talk or empowering language about myself or empowering beliefs about myself really gives me a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. And I'm curious to our listeners, what do you prefer? What sounds good to you? Let me know. Message me on Instagram. Let me know so Megan, I can, can figure out what you like. And I think it's so amazing that that there are these different there are these different methods of getting to know ourselves and reconnecting with ourselves right yeah and there's to that point you know there's i definitely have like my own approach and like you said you have yours and both can exist together because just you explaining both of those you can see how one can really be beneficial but then I feel like yours would kind of come in when you've done like this deep inner healing work and you're kind of ready to get to like that next level you type thing. So we're going to like pump ourselves up with all of these really like high vibe, really high level, like next level you type of words. 
Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Having and really it's it it I would say that for many people, most people, probably both ways are necessary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's lo- it's lovely to connect about that. So I have another question for you about intuition. Sure. How would you describe your place now with with your intuition and how intuitive you are. So you mentioned, you talked a little bit about where it came from, but what kind of information do you get? How does it help your life right now? How does it come into play? And I know this is something you you teach and guide your clients through as well. Yeah, it's really interesting and something that I'm just kind of really, I always knew I was really intuitive, you know, for so many years. I've had clients, I've been practicing as like a nutritionist, now spiritual coach since 2014. And so since then, so what, like six, seven years, I've had my clients say, why are you a nutritionist and not like a therapist or something like that? Because I kind of just like get these downloads or these hits and that's kind of where my intuition or how it feels like for me it's just like kind of like this hit that I get I'm like okay I need to say this right so it really does show up in like my coaching sessions but also my personal life like I always just kind of know like immediately but again that's that's totally going into human design and I know we should probably like have like a human design and intuition podcast but yeah I always know like initially like this is yes this doesn't feel good for me and it's different than that sacral response that you get or that gut feeling that you get but it's interesting but yeah in my coaching practice I definitely like there's just like really interesting things that come up that I'm like hey I feel like I really need to share this right now and then my clients respond with like you know how'd you even no to say that because this just happened today or whatever right so i feel like the more i embrace that aspect of myself the more those moments come which is pretty exciting yeah so cool and i know i feel that just being your friend and and knowing you there's definitely a magical aura that happens we were talking today about how we message each other at the same time and i like, feel like all the time all the time this happens. So yeah, you can really tell when you're when you're with an intuitive being and when you your intuitions can kind of mesh. That's really beautiful and awesome that we can all learn how to do this. Everyone is capable of mm-hmm. accessing this. You just need some guidance along the way, right? Exactly. You can feel as lost or like as far away from your intuition as possible. I know I felt like that before you felt like that before. And yeah, there's, you know, it's always inside of you, but it's just kind of like one of those muscles. If you don't use it, or if you keep hushing it, pushing it to the side, pretending it's not there, then it's just going to get quieter and quieter and quieter. But if you commit to actually working with your intuition and trusting that more than you trust the negative thoughts that you have, then it's just going to get louder. Mm, Yep. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, we've talked about intuition. You are a spiritual mentor. So I would like to talk quickly about spirituality when we still have like a few minutes left here in the episode. So I would love to hear just how my audience here can start dipping their toes into spirituality. And if you also want to go into a little bit about your experience with spirituality, that would be helpful too. Yeah. So I feel like when we hear the words like spiritual coach or spiritual mentor or spirituality, even like that can sound or mean different things to different people, right? Like I was chatting with my grandma, my grandma was like, being really cute over Christmas and she sat me down and like my family, not my parents, my parents have a very good understanding of like what it is I do as my career, but like everyone else in my life, like, you know, grandma, aunts, uncles, cousins, like no one actually understands what I actually do. 
And it meant a lot to me (laughs) over Christmas. My grandma actually sat me down and she was like, you're really interesting to me. So like, can you just tell me exactly what you do? Because my friends ask and I literally don't know. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sure. And, but like, that was a moment where it was hard for me to say, well, I'm a spiritual coach because to my grandma, when she hears spiritual, it's more like religion, right? Like this type of religion or whatever it is. But sometimes when you go through a certain type of like certification or schooling, there's some credentials at the end of it waiting for you that might not really make sense to people, or it's just kind of like this name that the certification had to create to give you something after completing the course, right? So that's kind of essentially what I feel happened there because I did take a course, became a certified spiritual coach. And with that, like what I do personally, what makes me a certified spiritual coach and how I help my clients is through self-compassion and self-forgiveness. So self-forgiveness was a huge piece in that. And essentially, again, this is totally another whole episode, but self-forgiveness is allowing ourselves to really reprogram certain events in our life through self-love through providing ourselves with the love that we didn't have back then. So that's how I help my clients. And that's my approach to being a spiritual coach. That's how I do things. That's what that means in my realm. But like I said, it means so much, like so many different things, right? Someone can say spiritual and all of a sudden you think like tarot cards and Oracle cards or whatever, or you think about going to church or you can be doing what I'm doing with self-compassion and self-forgiveness. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, totally answers my question because I think even up until recently for me, and when I hear about spirituality, I still think religion, even though of course we know a lot of coaches, I know, (laughs) I know people that work with all different types of spirituality, as you mentioned, right? Whether it be tarot card, whether it be like psychic guidance, but still spirituality in my head, the religion light blinks and it's a neutral perspective on it. But I Mm -hmm. love to learn more about what spirituality can mean, because I think a lot of us in our society here are brought up to believe that they're brought up to understand spirituality like religion. And it is so much more expansive than just religion, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so before I get to the point where we talk about how our listeners can find you, I have one more question for you. And that is, what do you think is the root of health? What would you say if you could pick one thing, what would be the root of health? Self-awareness. I think everything starts with self-awareness. Oh, so true. And ties in what we talked about so well. Beautiful. It starts with self-awareness, girl. Yeah. So where can we find you, Meg? Where, how can we work with you? Awesome. Yeah. Well, I would say I'm most active over on Instagram. So you can find me at I am Meg Doll. And yes, my last name is actually Doll, D-O-L-L. So I am Meg Doll. And I have a website, megdoll.com. I also have a podcast, the Unbreakable You podcast. Emily was on the podcast not too long ago talking about her journey so that was wonderful and I help women inside my 12-week very intimate small group coaching program called back home to you so if you're feeling like you're a little lost you have been led away from yourself and you're looking for that deep healing through compassion and self-forgiveness and want to experience freedom and self-love, that's exactly what I do inside my program back home to you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Meg. I so appreciated our time here. Thank you for being here with me. It was so fun. Hey, thank you. I'm so happy that 
we've chatted like a million hours already, but we always find new things to talk about. I hope you loved this interview with Meg Dahl. I have all of Meg's contact information linked in the show notes. And if you did love this episode, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review, or share this podcast with your community. And if you do any of these actions, you will be entered into a drawing to win a free 45-minute private coaching session with me. Just take a screenshot of your subscription, your review, or the post that you share, send it to me on Instagram in a DM, and your name will be entered into the drawing. And again, my Instagram is at emilys.rootaway. Feel free to follow me there as well. And remember, if you do one of these actions that I mentioned, your name gets entered into the drawing once. And if you do all of these three things, all of these three actions, so if you subscribe, if you leave a review, and if you share this podcast, your name will be entered into the drawing three times. So you'll have three times the chance of winning a 45-minute private health coaching session with me. And if you'd like a longer term accessible guidance with your health journey, if you'd like access to a community that is passionate about cultivating natural health as well, join us in the Root Awakening Mastermind. Reach out to me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening or head to rootawakening.as.me slash focus call so you can book a free focus call with me and see if you are a good fit for the Root Awakening Mastermind. And if so, you will find out what your individual action plan is to move forward. I am Emily Kosick, health coach and CEO of Root Awakening. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for supporting natural health, and I can't wait to hear from you soon. See you on the next episode.